What's up, everyone? I'm Andrew Steinwald, and this is Zima Red. On this show, we speak with the users, founders, and creatives that are diving into the world of unique digital assets, also called non-fungible tokens. My guest today is Sarah Tobe Sasuke. Sarah Tobe is an Axie Infinity player who leads partnerships at Yield Guild Games and is also an Axie manager at the NFT fund DAO, Blackpool. He takes me through a detailed guide on how to play Axie, the different classes, the different mechanics, and everything you need to know in order to jump in and start playing. We also discuss play to earn and how to operate and manage an Axie scholarship. I loved our conversation because of how Sarah Tobe is able to take the sometimes confusing world of crypto and gaming and explain it in a succinct manner that anyone can understand. One thing that Sarah Tobe said that really stuck with me was how we are all a part of this RPG that is the NFT and crypto space. By participating on Twitter, OpenSea, Discords, different games and platforms. We are overcoming obstacles, gaining levels, and making friends in this real-world adventure that is the metaverse. Please enjoy my conversation with Sarah Tobe Sasuke. Sarah Tobe Sasuke, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm super excited to chat with you. And to get us started, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. Yeah, look, thanks for having me on, Andrew. Um... I come from a tech background professionally. I used to sell kind of enterprise software as a service solutions. Um, I've also always been an avid gamer for many years, uh, as well as a you know huge believer in the societal changes that uh, can be brought about by technology. You know, so uh, I suppose uh, that's a little bit about my background, and I've kind of been lucky enough to find myself landing in the play to earn blockchain gaming space pretty heavily. Uh, which brings me to speak to yourself. Amazing. Okay, so I want to just briefly touch upon, you, you mentioned like the, the the ramifications, the societal ramifications that gaming could have. And, you know, you, you also kind of touched upon that on Play to Earn, but let's let's dive into that. Like, what do you, what do you mean by uh, you're excited about how gaming can have an impact on our, on our society? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I think we, just with even traditional gaming, we see more and more that it's becoming something ubiquitous with the kind of evolution of like mobile gaming. Everybody has this supercomputer in their pockets that allows them to access, you know, a host of different kind of gaming titles. People can, you know, just, you know, the elderly can sit there and play Candy Crush. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of starting to make changes in like how people spend their time generally and then with the advent of like nfts and blockchain technology obviously it opens the door for the idea that this can this this time this attention can be monetized you know which i think again is is just really a revolutionary thing so why do you think that people are just getting more into gaming as as like a, a society because i feel like you know, growing up, obviously, you know, I, I we had like the basic, the original Nintendo with the Super Mario or whatever. And, you know, gaming was uh, done like in arcades. So it was like, it was, wasn't like super popular. The, the first console that I experienced was that, that early Nintendo. So why is it that people are just like, everyone's kind of becoming a gamer? Is it because we all have the, the hardware that enables that? Or just because like the, like, like the fun factor, people just like to play games because they're fun? Or what do you think? Yeah, I think there's a number of different kind of reasons for that i definitely think the hardware angle is a big part of it you know um it's that kind of there's that really interesting chart of uh processing power versus cost and it's this really kind of interested kind of inverse angle of like over time the kind of processing power seems to be just progressively getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper which obviously in turn kind of opens up this world of like high high powered games to to everybody all over the world um but in addition to that i mean i think with the kind of 
onset of like you know social media platforms and kind of big tech kind of coming across as like such a profitable space i think you know this kind of nerdiness being cool has kind of really kind of changed the kind of outlook of of people with video games and that like gradually 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 you're seeing that like you know gaming as a profession um is becoming more and more accepted with things like streaming on youtube and you know uh twitch and things like that yeah it's so weird to see the change from like gaming going from this as you mentioned like nerdy kind of activity that you know people like make funny like oh like you play video games like you know what what a loser this is like back when i was really young and then now the the gamers are like the cool people like you, you exactly. had a 16 year old you know win the fortnite championships and won i think like a million bucks this is like a couple years ago but um like that that is crazy and so it's really cool to see the the societal changes in, in just like the the gaming mindset which i think is i think is great yeah, absolutely. And I think this is something that we can see replicated time and time again. <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. You can see that kind of in cryptocurrency itself, you know, like it was definitely the kind of it was a a place for kind of kind of crazy hobbyists and anarchists and technologists and cypherpunks, but now is gradually, gradually, gradually evolving into being like, Okay, wow, you're you're in crypto, that's a cool place to be when previously it was like what the hell is crypto? What, you know, uh, people just didn't understand it. And I mean, the same goes even back to computers themselves. When you look back at the 70s, they were like, uh, if you look at Steve Jobs and Wozniak in their garage, you know, kind of building computers, it definitely wasn't the kind of sexy tech industry that we have now. And Apple being like just so desirable to to everybody from the, from the you know, the farmer to the, the, the millionaire socialite all want an iPhone. Yeah, so definitely, uh, it's, it's like the uh, the rebels of today are like the cool kids of tomorrow. I think <laughs> I, we, so. we, we have to work on that, but I think that that's roughly roughly what it is. But awesome! All right, so so I'd love to hear how did you initially get attracted to crypto? Because I feel like you know uh, your your background. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, I was a uh, cryptographer or some you know some random whatever, and it, like I, I get the connection there. But what was your initial attraction? Yeah, look, I have to be honest, I, I don't ha I probably have a very common and not the most uh, exciting response to that, you know, back in 2017, 2018, um, you know, it would be insincere of me not to say that uh, it wasn't the stories of kind of like financial gain that kind of definitely would have initially attracted me uh, to crypto. But obviously, once I kind of started to explore the underlying technology and all the implications and the different use cases, um, you know, uh, and just participating in this kind of world-changing technology really kind of uh, get gave it that sort of stickiness to me. And uh, in addition to that, I really think that like the community in crypto is just crazy. Like the kind of the drama, the madness, the memes, the the anon cartoon characters on on Twitter. I think the kind of the just the pure craziness of it all has definitely kind of helped kind of stick me and allow me to stay in the space you know and and obviously like then the the promise of like wealth redistribution and all the really interesting kind of implications of the technology and how it's going to change again going back to kind of my original kind of interests there in like how can this change how will the technology change society and i've always been one to kind of 
love to sit there. I'm a big sci-fi fan and see like, okay, well, what, what, what technologies are we going to have in 20 years time? And then seeing this, uh, you know, watching these technologies develop and sitting there and wondering like, oh, wow, you know, are we going to have a future of, you know, no third parties, no governments, what, what, what industries are going to be most disrupted by these technologies? So that's kind of what I suppose has uh, really kept me here. That's amazing. Okay, so so how did you fall down the NFT rabbit hole? Because in, in my opinion, I feel like crypto is. I first I uh, got got attracted to crypto for uh, in reasons of you know kind of like uh, obviously money was a big factor, and then the the whole ethos of decentralization and, and what that kind of the knock on effects of that meant. And then eventually, after you kind of just just continue to immerse yourself in this world, you learn about NFTs, and you're like, oh my gosh, there's a whole another world. That's yeah, it's built on the same technology, but it's totally different. I'm diving into this, so. Like, tell me about your process and how you learned about NFTs. Yeah, I mean, early on, you know, I think that unlike many people, uh, well, I think a lot of people in 27, 2018, you know, chose to invest quite a lot with all the hype that was going on. I definitely did invest a bit, but I think more than anything, I kind of made the conscious decision to really invest time. Um, and I think that's arguably the best uh, investment that anyone can make in the crypto and NFT space. It's really like your personal time. That's like an incredibly valuable resource. And during my kind of research, during the, uh, the kind of 2017, 2018 and beyond, I did find out about NFTs. I did kind of understand like, okay, well, these can be, you know, non-fungible tokens, unique tokens that exist as game items. But I think at at that time, you know, I, I kind of, as much as I was aware of them and I was, I was aware of projects like Engine uh, and things like that, I never kind of really kind of got too into it. But then it was until kind of 2020 when I uh, was listening to a podcast of uh, Mr. Anthony Pompliano, the Pomp podcast, and uh, Delphi Digital were uh, a guest and they had uh, referenced Axie Infinity and the kind of play to earn mechanics that were kind of occurring there and some of the really exciting stuff that was happening. Um, and I was like, well, I better, I better check this out because uh, the guys in Delphi just spoke so eloquently about it that I was like, I better check this out. This sounds really exciting. And obviously the rest is history. I found our Axie Infinity and it was like, wow. And then I suppose we had this huge explosion of uh, NFTs, which kind of just built in in uh, intensity through kind of late 2020 and into early 2021. Okay, so tell me about Axie Infinity. Like, what is it and why did you find it so exciting? Yeah, so I suppose, uh, I'm sure you've heard this a few times before, but Axie is a play to earn blockchain game, which allows you to collect NFT collectibles in the form of Axies. Uh, you can battle these Axies in a competitive arena game against other humans or against the computer in a what they call a PVE mode. Um, compete, uh, completing these acts aspects of the game itself will allow you to earn SLP, which is the Elastic uh, Supply uh, ERC20 token, which is also required to, to breed Ax the Axie NFTs themselves. All right, so, so what was it about Axie that, that got you so excited and got you so interested? Because, you know, I, I've played Axie, I, I played in 2019 and, and 2020, and, and to be totally honest, back then I, I, wasn't, I wasn't enthralled with it. I wasn't like, this is like the, the bee's knees, this isn't some, you know, World of Warcraft style experience. It was it was cool, but it wasn't incredible. So why why for you you were like this is actually something that's really cool and I'm pretty hooked. Yeah, look, <clears throat> I appreciate your honesty, and I mean, you know, I have to admit, like as a as a gamer 
who you know i love high fidelity games i love like a like very immersive experiences um but one attitude that i've really taken to things in crypto is i love you know i really like to actually try and use things that actually have a working product and really use them so i was impressed that like okay wow you know i've used these DeFi products like uniswap or sushi swap or whatever and then i was like okay well i'm going to try this game and it actually had a functional project product which i was like wow okay i actually earned something from this and it was this slp slp token I did, I did have to say, like, at early on, I was like, wow, okay, like, is it really worth this time that I'm investing? You know, you know, in proportion to my salary at the time, it wasn't like a, a huge amount. Um, but what really kind of gave Axie the stickiness was like jumping into the community, speaking to some of these amazing characters um, that were present in the community. Uh, and what really kind of kind of really cemented my, my kind of interest in Axie was like, oh, by the way, did you realize that you can actually kind of build businesses inside this game? Because, I mean, admittedly, like the game still has a long way to go. I think, you know, it, there is a, you know, a very enjoyable aspect to the game as it is. I mean, it, but it obviously, you know, it's, it is not necessarily like a, what we would call a AAA game just yet. But uh, I think it was really like speaking to these kind of pillars of the Axie community. And I think without those guys, you, you really wouldn't have the Axie infinity we have today. Um, I suppose I better kind of give the shout outs to people like, you know, Nate and Gabby uh, and guys like that in the kind of Axie space and Cloud White as well, who kind of helped introduce me to Axie and kind of open my eyes to like, okay, what can you really achieve with this? You know, I suppose that's kind of what really cemented like wow okay this is the most exciting space in crypto right now but just no one realizes it yet <laughs> so that was kind of um the idea that we could kind of create these businesses inside you know this evolving gaming environment was was what really kind of gave me that kind of aha moment i suppose it's very cool okay so so were there was there the leader uh, leaderboard back then where People could see, okay, uh, you know, you, you 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 won the tournament last week, or like I don't know, Coco Bear won the tournament last week. Like, w w was there that leaderboard? Uh, yeah, kind of there was. Yeah, the the PVP leaderboard. So my first initial team was pretty crap. They were the kind of chop suey, as the Filipino players like to call them, the chop suey floor axes. I didn't know what I was doing. I'd heard about the game on the podcast. So I just jumped in and I uh, was a bit like, wow, okay, I, ha I have to spend 50 bucks on each of these uh, NFTs. And obviously, like, at the time, I wasn't, uh, you know, it was a bit like, wow, this is, this is expensive in comparison to, um, you know, <clears throat> buying a triple A gaming title i was like wow is this is this you know I, I did have my concerns kind of at the very very beginning but i was like you know what for i you know i treat all of these things like research so i was like okay i want to i really want to give this a shot so i decided to give it a shot uh i played with that team for a while and quickly realized that i should have <laughs> done a little bit more research so i kind of reached out to uh some other members of the community and um hooked myself up with a slightly uh, more meta team. And yeah, I was able to hit top 200 with that team. So I was pretty uh, pleased with myself there. I mean, it was a big, considerably bigger investment. And again, you know, making that decision to kind of spend a few hundred dollars as opposed to, uh, you know, a, a just under a couple of hundred bucks was a big decision. But, you know, I made that decision 
and uh, I think having a better team is definitely like the way to go uh, in Axie. If you kind of have a uh, a team made out of the the bottom of the the bottom of the barrel axes, your experience can definitely not be the most optimal <laughs> for sure. Awesome. Okay, well, I definitely want to dive deeper into the actual gameplay mechanics, but first I just want to touch upon what do you think was the 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 core factors here for Axie taking off initially or, or making you interested. It seems like you know status plays a role. Like if having that leaderboard and having people to com- you know be able to compete versus each other, that's very exciting. And people are naturally competitive, so there's that community. Like the social aspect is is massive, and and for whatever reason, Axie has always had like the most insane and amazing community ever. So so that was a, a big big factor in my opinion. And also lastly, it's like like the ability to earn. Like obviously, in every other game in the world, pretty much you can't really earn from gameplay, and so this was you know, this was a one of those kind of defining moments. So, do you think that those three, the so you know, the status, the social, and the earning potential, are those the three biggest factors that contributed to Axie's rise? That and the community, and I think the dedication of the team themselves as well. I think you know it's hard to deny, you know, just how how strong the Axie core team have been, you know, Jiho as community manager, uh, community lead, and, you know, the the kind of, the the kind of technical side that they just keep their head down, they get, don't get involved with the drama, they just get, keep their head down and build and work tirelessly, um, you know, and psych out as well, doing a lot of great work. So, you know, I think it's, that's a huge factor. And yeah, look, I think no one can deny that the kind of the pillars of the Axie community have have been like you know staunch evangelists and I like to think that I'm kind of gradually kind of breaking my way into that kind of uh, elite circle of people who who um, can claim to you know be you know an important part of Axie's journey I think you know that's something that which many people want to kind of attain that status within like what seems to be this kind of such tight-knit community I mean it's obviously a lot bigger than it was now so we, we're getting all these interesting and colorful characters jumping into the space but I think a huge differentiating factor between, say, Axie and other crypto projects is uh, the kind of the gamified nature of the community itself and the potential for, like, okay, as this game evolves and changes, like, that we are almost becoming characters in this game, <laughs> which is a, which is a pretty cool thing to see. Like, it's quite, again, it's quite meta that, like, even us as individuals, we are becoming kind of part of the game's story, which I think is really cool. That is a super interesting concept. It's like, like for example, I've never spoken to Coco Bear like directly. I, I think I've, I've spoken to him a few times on Twitter DM or something like that. But I mean, I know about him through Axie. And, you know, he is like the Axie OG whale and like this, you know, amazing player and incredible person apparently. And uh, it's really cool that you're absolutely correct. I associate Coco Bear with Axie, the game. Oh yeah, which, which yeah. is cool that these characters are are like I don't know, kind of being magnified by a game and be, becoming part of the story. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he, he, he's definitely not like, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have chatted with him as well. And like, he, he you know, he's been heavily involved in a wide array of uh, NFT projects and as has many other kind of pillars of the Axie community. And I think what's, you know, just the ethics behind a lot of these guys, like there's some really kind of when you look at kind of at least going back to when I kind of was really getting involved in sort of uh, August, September 2020, you know, there was things that you would have never seen in traditional cryptocurrency, like OTC deals for axes where you'd you'd be sending these peep these little cartoon characters on 
Discord, you'd be sending them ETH with having never met them or spoken to them, you know, because <laughs> they're like, oh, well, look, you know, this is a way to get your exes. Just send me some ETH and I'll send them to you, I promise. And it's a bit like, what am I doing here? Am I really going to do this? Like, am I really going to send some ETH to this cartoon character I've never spoken to before? Um, so there was this amazing kind of level of trust uh, within the Axie community that I think really differentiates it from, you know, many of the other kind of just crypto in general you know that there's this kind of trust and willingness to help like you jump into the i i, I it's a it's a much busier place now and i think i'm you know it, it's hard to have kind of maintained the kind of uh feeling you got when you jumped into the axie discord back when i was jumping in but like the amount of help just people were like more than willing to like help anybody like who 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 wanted to learn like i said i mentioned you know cloud white he was extremely helpful in kind of explaining to me like aspects about the game i'd uh one of the uh, you know when i when i first found out about the game i kind of went onto youtube and saw some of his interesting videos about axie so i kind of reached out to him on twitter and he was again i was uh, amazed he was like he was so happy to like introduce me to other these other characters in the game uh well i call them characters in the game but they're actually just people but uh so uh it's like nate obviously who who's who eventually became a one of my axie dealers you know so these kind of again this kind of business role within axie uh was like wow okay these guys are actually making a living inside this game environment uh and i think that was like okay there's something happening here and that kind of really opened my eyes to like i need to i need to figure out what these guys are doing um and i think yeah awesome okay so i, I want to dive into the axie gameplay mechanics so let's first go over the player versus environment mechanics with the pve and then let's go to the player versus player so can you just pretend that i know absolutely nothing and you have to explain uh pve and then pvp yeah of course so in the pve mode you you have your three axes um which are which we've kind of gone through what they are you you start off on a kind of level one where you fight these small monsters called Ch chimera um as you defeat these monsters you do actually level up your axes so they kind of get stronger over time as you kind of grind through these levels and you progressively have to go through these different stages of beating harder and harder monsters uh, and as you do that you, you you increase the level of your axes and the rewards that you get from playing the game increase over time uh, as you get to a higher stage um, as of now there is only kind of one kind of large pve section which is actually uh gets surprisingly challenging towards the end and um it's going to be really exciting to see them kind of take away the cap of the level 25 and be able to kind of get your axes into like kind of a higher level which will kind of really again increase the kind of stickiness of uh holding these nfts because Wait, so, been... so, so, so sorry why do you want it level up Oh, so you'd want to level up the axes to be able to beat the monsters on the higher levels within the PvE okay, environment. Okay, okay. So as cool. you progress through this PvE environment, the monsters get progressively harder. And um, it's really a case of, like, you have to sometimes grind the earlier levels to level up your axes to a, a point where they are able to defeat the kind of the boss level uh, chimera that you're fighting. Very cool. Okay, so so that's on the PvE side. So on the PvP side, I think it's it's quite different. 
Yeah, absolutely. So in the PvP side, there's no kind of upwards, uh, there's no kind of, you know, the levels never kind of increase in level. Um, the Axie team have done an, you know, tried really hard to kind of make sure that the game's not like too intrinsically kind of pay to win. There is a change, evolving meta uh, of the game, which means like, okay, so the each individual Axie has four cards, which allows it to, you know, attack or defend against other axes so there's really this like quite intricate and complex game of um you know a card game between two players and then there's this energy mechanic so as you're playing pvp you have a certain amount of energy which allows you to play the cards that the axie possesses um and it's actually quite a complex game with a lot of skill and timing and understanding of like, okay, well, how much energy has my opponent got? How much energy have I got? How should I, you know, use my cards? And then like, how do I kind of create a team of, um, you know, based on like, okay, well, well, what are people using to get to the top right now? And then you could, in theory, try and design a team specifically to get higher up the ladder if you're kind of smart enough to um, design a team around defeating what is currently like the you know deemed you know the most successful and uh, it's, it's actually quite complex and um, skill-based which is a great thing to see that it's not just like a case of oh well I have the most money so I can buy these like you know as of right now there are what's called the mystic axes and intrinsically they don't possess like fighting powers that allow them to be overpowered it's very much a case of okay well you know as long as you kind of are using axes that are kind of combat axes you know it, it's nearly possible for most players or at least it was until like the player base has grown so much you know like i said i was able to get into the top 200 players in the world now it would be a much bigger task for me now and um even some of my scholars were able to get into the top 20 best players in the world with some of the teams that I was providing them. But as of right now, it's definitely a case that that kind of the hallowed top 100 players often seem to have to have multiple teams to be able to kind of switch to whatever the meta evolves to be at that time, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So could you tell me about the, I, I, I want to say types, actually types, because there's like, you know, there's uh, grass, there's, there's the, uh, you know kind of uh, not not mystic but yeah there's always different you know like how pokemon have water fire psychic etc axes have the same kind of uh, general type and yeah the the, the the general types are are more powerful or weaker versus uh you know the opposite so like water would be very powerful against fire for example and yeah. then also um i would love to hear more about like the actual uh moves that, that these axes have because i think that there's a limited number well i, I could be mistaken four uh moves per uh, axie character so I'd, I'd love to just dive deeper into that yeah absolutely so just as you mentioned there's currently uh, quite a number of class types so you have the beast class type the aquatic class type which is like a fishy kind of a class type the plant class type bird bug and reptile uh, in addition to that they have three classes which as of now don't have um cards specific to their class type which is the mech dawn and dusk type um so it's going to be really exciting to kind of see 
uh, those classes be awoken and uh, have their own move sets, because um, uh, which will just make the game even more kind of intricate and complex, um, which will be a really interesting thing to see. So, what you can do interestingly is in a, in addition to just having the class types, if you interbreed classes, there's actually like a very complex thing that a lot of Axie players aren't even really aware of, of like dominant genes and two uh, two kind of levels of recessive genes. So you can kind of blend these class types together and depending on how you blend class types together, uh, you can either go for like a high purity class of Axie, which allows you to kind of kind of gain certain uh, buffs for having a kind of high degree of purity. But interestingly, if you kind of breed two different classes together, let's say like a aqua and a plant, you might be able to kind of affect the stats or the move sets of that Axie to kind of create these kind of really interestingly tactically thought out breeds that allow you to compete at a high level. Um, so those th those genetic traits plus the class type influence the, the cards that the Axie has to be able to use in the game. Okay, very cool. All right, so switching gears here a little bit, I wanna dive into Axie land. So I know that Axie is developing land gameplay versus, because right now it's kind of a, a term-based uh, kind of card game essentially. And uh, land gameplay is going to kind of I guess introduce that Pokemon style world where it's kind of a 2D world where you can run around, collect resources, battle, etc. So I just love to hear all about the game, the land gameplay. Yeah, I'm not sure it's going to be completely 2 2D. I think there might be kind of a degree of kind of 3D to it, but uh, I think another good comparison would be kind of Farmville. But it does incorporate as well um, some of the kind of traditional battling mechanics of the original game. I was lucky enough to to own a plot of land and play the the pre-pre-alpha version of the game and, and kind of uh, explore there a little bit. So that kind of really revolves around developing your land plot and putting lots of nice uh, objects and items. And um, there's also kind of dungeon crawling element to it where you'll be able to kind of go into a dungeon and clear out the uh, monsters for, for prizes and yield, I'm sure, as well. Um, but it's definitely safe to say that the land game will be an exciting new chapter in the evolution of Axie Infinity. There's been huge increases in the cost of the land itself. So there is a lot to live up to there. But I'm sure the, you know, the team have been working really hard to make sure that it's a huge success um, but it's going to be really interesting as well because they've got they've, they've got a lot of mechanics that they're hoping to implement uh, in the future in terms of like large structures for people that own like large swathes of land the ability to kind of raid other people's land is going to be a very interesting dynamic to see obviously you have like large guilds like YGG or Blackpool Academy or other kind of large guilds who might own tracts of land and okay are these guys gonna align themselves to you know be uh yeah to be allies or are they gonna battle each other to fight over resources it's gonna be a really interesting thing to to witness but uh you know I um it's gonna be interesting to see as well how how you know obviously as of right now you know it is expensive to buy land i mean the, the cheapest land is at least five thousand us dollars so obviously one would hope that you know there's going to be a mechanic where anybody can somehow kind of jump in with their axes and play the land game and enjoy the land game without necessarily having to like own the land 
NFTs themselves. And obviously what's going to be really important and interesting to see is like, obviously with, with land fetching these big price tags, you know, some land has even been sold in the millions uh, of dollars. It's going to be really exciting to see like how profitable is the land going to be, you know, from a kind of business point of view. Awesome. Okay. So I want to talk about the play to earn mechanics because that is one of the, you know, large contributing factors of Axie's growth. And I know that, that you can, there's kind of different strategies here. You can kind of breed axes together and sell those axes and that can, you know, earn you some revenue. You can do something called a scholarship, which is where you lend out your axes. So I basically just want to talk about all the different play to earn mechanics that, that, that go on within the Axie universe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at, at its core, um, the kind of the the simple the kind of elegant way that the economy works is that to play axie it does require that you have a minimum of three nft axes and the only way to mint or create these new nft axie nfts is to actually burn the slp token but the only way to get the slp token is to play the game with axes and i mean this creates an elegant structure of supply and demand focused around the growth of the player base and obviously as as players want to play the game um to mint this slp it creates the demand for axes uh, which in turn creates the demand for slp and one could almost consider if you look at this from a DeFi point of view that axes are in some respects like a kind of a, a wrapped kind of nft version of like staked slp on the platform which is a is a way to look at axes in some ways interestingly enough and um yeah because because and obviously slp itself could almost be considered as like tokenized time because there's literally no other way to get slp without like grinding away so you can obviously as a breeder if you wanted to kind of create a business and breed out large numbers of axes to accommodate the growing player base you would need to go to a decentralized exchange and buy the slp off the market um but th that slp was cre was created or minted by players grinding and if they if you didn't have those players grinding that slp wouldn't be there to buy and um which obviously creates this huge demand for players um which is why like i think in terms of like retention and kind of you know every like you know without fail every day you have axie players will be will be playing their hearts out to get that slp because there is that demand for the slp to fuel the kind of a you know the the game's development and new players coming in because as 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 you've seen recently over the few last few months there's been like literally hundreds of thousands of people being onboarded to axie and without the farmers farming the SLP, it wouldn't be possible to, uh, to to keep the market, you know, provided with axes. And then, as you mentioned, there's obviously this uh, extremely uh, exciting scholarship model, which is, you know, uh, one that I've kind of delved the most deeply into, which is you start this community, you're able to then uh, buy your initial axes, which you then breed out. But then rather than just selling those axes, you distribute them to new accounts. You then give those accounts to players and those players play that account and then you do a revenue share. What's really amazing here though is, as we mentioned at the, you know, when you said about first getting into Axie, this completely takes away the kind of barrier to entry to people that might not necessarily have ETH, might not necessarily understand 
uh, cryptocurrency, all that people need to play Axie right now is a phone and the ability to jump into a Discord server and or, or Twitter and just pummel people with, please, sir, may I have a scholarship, <laughs> until somebody accepts them, which has resulted in um, crypto Twitter and Discord being uh, uh, awash with uh, people begging for Axie scholarships. All right, so I want to dive deeper into the scholarships because you're right, like the, the amount of interest and, and DMs that, that I just get for, for scholarships is, is pretty incredible. So I just imagine it's it's uh, it's just high numbers all across the board. So let's say, do, do, you, do you, by the way, do you, got, do you offer scholarships yourself? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So I would offer, I, I, that's how I, I kind of, I was originally intending to try out breeding, um, but I, when I when I first got like my really premium axes from Nate, um, I was like, okay, I'm going to try out breeding. But then I was like, oh well, while I'm waiting, I, I might as well just give these assets to somebody to earn a little bit of extra revenue. And then I start, I, I kind of sat down and uh, put a spreadsheet together. And um, one of the things that really sets Axie apart from a lot of other games out there is the reliability. Of earning. If you sit there and you play and you grind away, you're very likely to accumulate, you know, the SRP token. As long as you kind of, um, obviously, the ceiling on that earning um, does go up quite considerably if you're a talented player. But even if you're kind of just a casual player, you you you, you know, you don't. It's not a case of like, oh well, if you're not if you're not a serious player, you won't get the SRP. So because of this, you know there's this huge interest from all different types of people that might include like young old male female whoever like literally i have like grannies asking me to play axie on on discord downloading discord and jumping into a discord server and asking to play axie um which i think is really interesting that it's like really a case of like it doesn't matter who you are um you know that, that you you have a, pe- a demand from these people to play axie which is obviously fed from the fact that you know there is this commercial demand for SLP as a commodity to help fuel the growth of the platform as a whole. So, uh, yeah, I think that, like, you know, clearly on paper, the the stats are incredible in terms of, like, the types of returns that you can get from, from starting a scholarship. And then in terms of, like, you know, one thing that's, I think, great to have seen is that... Um, the ethical behavior of the majority of scholarship managers means that the revenue share is more often than not something like 70-30, with 70% going to the scholar and 30% going to the uh, scholarship manager. And what's amazing and a testament to just how popular Axie is right now is that like, even with those kind of heavily weighted percentages going to the scholar, it can still be like extremely profitable. Uh, for the scholarship manager um, but where it gets really exciting for me is that in addition to just like okay well I have these guys playing Axie you also have this kind of community that builds up in your discord server or wherever you choose to house it uh, your community I think Discord's definitely one of the best platforms right now for for housing uh, an Axie scholarship but it's it's amazing to see just how hard people are willing to work and there's a lot of other really interesting benefits to to building these scholarships because as more play to earn games evolve you'll see that like okay well maybe there'll be another game that might need a large player base and if you've already got an axie scholarship like i've got like 
one Discord server with nearly 6,000 members, and I have another one uh, with nearly 1,000. Like, if I invest in more NFT assets that are kind of compatible with the scholarship model, model I will straight away have this kind of player base ready to deploy, this human capital ready to deploy into these games. That's incredible. Okay, so the, the scholarship program, is that... Like, could they take your axes and start breeding them? And, and, or, or is it only limited to, okay, the, the, these axes can do XYZ functionality with, with this scholar? Like, how is it controlled? Yeah, so this is a this is I, I'm not sure whether this was an intentional thing. I, I kind of I don't think the scholarship model was like ever supposed to be possible um, by design. Um, but interestingly, you can play the Axie Infinity game off chain just using the username and password and you don't need access to the underlying cryptocurrency wallet which creates this secure mechanism for the owner of the nfts to allow other people to play the game without um having to endanger their assets um or the or the yield what it does create though it, it is probably fair to say that it is unfairly weighted um in the court of the owner of the s uh, of the axes uh the assets because obviously it, it, in theory it could be possible for the owner of the assets to kind of theoretically rug their scholars now this would obviously be a really awful thing to do because you're basically like you know, taking people's time and then robbing them of their hard work. Now, unfortunately, there have been cases of people doing this and it's very upsetting to hear this because the people that are spending their time doing this are often coming from a place of, you know, extreme poverty sometimes or they want to help their family. So I think as scholarship leaders, we have a massive responsibility to behave ethically and make this space a safe place for the players and we have a real responsibility to do that because we don't want this to just evolve into uh, Warcraft Gold Farming Mark II. This isn't a sweatshop. This is this is an amazing opportunity to further, you know, the adoption of cryptocurrency as a whole, play-to-earn gaming, and um, crypto adoption as a whole. Awesome. Okay, so why do you think that Axie has been so successful just in the past few months? Because I feel like no, they've been the, the team has been hard at work grinding and building and building and suddenly everything just seems to really clicked in the past couple of months. So what do you attribute to that? I definitely think that a large part of that success is, you know, very much tied to that kind of scholarship model because it creates this kind of arbitrage opportunity between wealthy crypto investors who can reliably invest in large portfolios of these yield bearing NFTs um and safely allow them to be used by other players which really creates this uh, opportunity for entrepreneurs uh and you know you see these like nascent play to earn gaming guilds to invest like large amounts in a game uh, which obviously facilitates even more players coming in and this whole kind of like hype cycle and so because of this kind of huge influx of players you know it just increases the uh, intensity of adoption of the game itself and turns very much into a kind of virtuous cycle of okay there's this huge growth in demand for um, for axes for these new players and as more people hear about this it just creates you know a more and more extreme demand for the slp token and the only way to satiate this demand for the slp token is by bringing in more players 
so obviously intrinsically you know that in itself um causes a demand for players now you you do have a whole array of different gamers jumping in but like as of right now you know i said before um to play axie pleasantly it is good to have a fairly decent team and right now the cost of a fairly decent team could be eighteen hundred dollars now obviously like eighteen hundred dollars is beyond the scope of even some crypto investors if you turned around to crypto investors and say guys okay you're gonna need to spend eighteen hundred dollars on these nfts but where i think it's kind of you know I, i love the nft industry as a whole but me the big interest for me is like okay well what nfts are yield bearing and and arguably i think axes are some of the best yield bearing nfts available right now if you spend 1800 dollars on your three axes if you play you know for two or three months you'll probably get your money back and again the same applies to a scholarship if you invest like quite significantly in your axes and slp to breed out those axes and then put your time and effort into building out the scholarship you create an extremely uh, profitable business model so i think the fact that there is this kind of gold rush of entrepreneurs and, and crypto investors flocking to this space is is why uh why it's just rocketed so much recently all right if you could change or improve one thing about axie what would it be well right now um with just how successful the game has been, um, I think obviously the reliability of the game itself um, would be the one thing that I would change. But look, I am very much aware of uh, the team working really hard to solve this problem, and that it's not a, you know, a simple case of uh, turning on more servers. Uh, it's it's you know, they're doing something that no other game has really had to do they're the first like mass adopted crypto game um which also in my opinion will bring huge significance to mystic axes historically because these these axes are the truly kind of limited the scarce axes of the axie ecosystem and you know i'd really like to hope that in you know 10 20 30 years time you know, as we look back at like crypto gaming, like really becoming like, I think we will see this merger of like, people won't call it blockchain gaming anymore. It will just be gaming. And, you know, NFT assets and cryptocurrencies will just be by nature an intrinsic part of of the gaming experience because it'd be like, you know, I'm, I'm sure we still will have games that don't incorporate it, but I think like it will be something that just becomes so prevalent that there won't need to necessarily be this distinction between like, okay, this is a game with cryptocurrency and NFTs, or this is a game without. It will just be games. Okay, that game happens to use NFTs or happens to use cryptocurrency, but I don't think there necessarily need to be this distinction. And I think these kind of mystic axes, which I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> unlucky enough not to own one myself, and I uh, it's one one of those things where I've definitely missed out on. I, I had the opportunity to buy a single Mystic Axie at $400, and uh, now if I uh, quickly check the the marketplace as of right now, the the very very cheapest uh, Mystic Axie is 29 ETH or 52, well, just under 53,000 US dollars. So uh, that was definitely a, a big missed opportunity on my part. But uh, I think these are definitely going to have huge historical significance as Axie being like you know. The runaway success that it's been and being able to look back at this you know with hindsight you know looking around this kind of really 
colourful ecosystem of all these games. And the what's really incredible as well is that the NFTs themselves will still be able to be used in new gaming experiences. And I think the interoperable nature of NFT gaming assets is something that I find really, really amazingly exciting because there's really nothing stopping a new game in the future leveraging existing NFTs in their game. And that to me is like a real kind of like, wow, mind blown moment because, you know, I, I, I used, I've loved so many different types of games, RPGs, you know, Diablo 2, you'd hunt down these unique swords and then you'd have them. But then like, I can't use that unique sword in any games now. I wish I could go back and get the crazy armor that my barbarian used to use in Diablo 2, but I can't do that. But NFTs completely changed that conversation, which I find uh, really exciting. Yeah, I think I, I'm very excited about interoperability as well. But the issue that we've we've had so far is that the, the incentives aren't, aren't yet aligned. So like Axie doesn't really have a great incentive to uh, implement XYZ's uh, NFTs into their gameplay and vice versa. So, so I think we need to figure out the incentives to, to, to align correctly, and then we'll see an explosion of interoperability. But, but for now, I think it's going to be a kind of kind of a slow kind of experimental use cases. Yeah, I mean, I'm extremely lucky in that I get to speak to uh, blockchain gaming developers um, around the world, and I definitely see the murmurings of this interoperability and partnerships. And I think what differentiates um, blockchain gaming right now is that just the strength and kind of uh, of the communities themselves and like kind of the how just how uh, evangelical they are about the projects that they're involved with and when you have projects like Axie where you have these incredibly devoted uh, communities you know I think we're going to see games using support of NFTs as a mechanism to kind of infiltrate communities in a kind of both in I'm sure we'll see this in maybe a slightly more hostile sense and also in a very kind of you know uh, collaborative sense as well and I think if you look at say DeFi and see how so many projects are able to be really collaborative and composable which I think is a great thing to see and I think really differentiates kind of DeFi from the traditional finance world I think we're going to see the same thing in, in or at least I'd like to hope that we'll see the same thing in uh, in blockchain gaming kind of mirroring kind of DeFi and the, again this kind of this way that you'll be able to utilize assets and I think there's definitely a lot to be said for you know, I think there is an incentive there is an aligned incentive if you kind of hit the you know you mentioned there like individuals like say Coco Bear or kind of these like really big you know NFT investors you want to be able to kind of draw them in and, and how are you going to draw in these kind of very dedicated community members I think interoperability and composability is going to be one of the key mechanisms to kind of attract that kind of community interest by saying like, come to this game we'll support your assets you know and I think like we're you know we're so so early in this journey that you know especially when you get like space games or space MMOs, of which we are seeing, like, there's so many really exciting space MMOs in production. You've also got, like, traditional kind of fantasy MMO, blockchain-based fantasy MMOs. And as you see these games develop, you're going to have, like, you know, very kind of classic kind of games suited to those genres where you might have a sword or a piece of armor or a spaceship. And, I mean, what's going to be amazing is that, like, 
it, it, as long as games feel that like okay well we're happy to share our communities i think the space is big enough there's only so many kind of crypto gamers right now um i think there's a huge incentive in my opinion to have assets be interoperable awesome okay so i want to dive into ygg and blackpool which which community or dao did you join first um so in, I think they kind of happened extremely in parallel. So I was extremely lucky to have um, been talking with Gabby extremely early on about, uh, you know, I think it was about Axie. I'd seen him on Twitter and uh, seen some of the stuff that he was posting. And I, I think, as anyone can say when they look at Gabby's Twitter posts for a while, it's like, okay, this, guy's know, this guy knows, knows what's going on. He really knows what's going on. So I was like, I have to talk to this guy. And I was going through this huge kind of super networking phase of like, okay, well, I, I'll just chance my arm and hope that these people respond and start a conversation just so that I can kind of absorb as much kind of uh, good ideas as possible. Um, and obviously like, yeah, that was a, that was a big part of things. And I was lucky enough that again, like Nate uh, would have told me about YGG. And I noticed that he was, as I mentioned previously, he was uh, uh, my Axie dealer. And I noticed that he had shifted his, um, his allegiance to a new guild from, uh, Axie GG to YGG. I was like, okay, so what's happening with YGG? And he'd mentioned some of the features. I was like, wow, that's really amazing. And I was in the process of developing my own uh, guild at the time, which back then was called Cryptic Scholarships Guild. Um, and kind of growing that quite, uh, I'd been investing a huge amount of time, effort, and capital into growing my own personal scholarship. And then around kind of like January, February, I was, uh, it, it was an extremely whirlwind time for me because, you know, I was still working in the traditional tech sector. Um, and at the time, I also kind of reached out to Julian uh, Bootloop, who is the kind of lead dev of uh, Blackpool, to kind of see what he was doing. Because it sounded, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd had a few Twitter interactions with him and I was, I was pretty impressed that I just had these responses on Twitter. It was just like, look, I'll just send a DM. Maybe I get a response. Maybe I won't. And then uh, he, he introduced me to the uh, Blackpool Telegram group. And I kind of reached out and said, look, I've, I've got this Axie, uh, Axie scholarship that I'm building because they had expressed some interest in uh, kind of uh, getting involved with Axie. So these kind of conversations happened at the same time. Um, and it was quite cool because how there's so much crossover between different participants in this kind of uh, little world of uh, NFTs and blockchain gaming. Everybody seems to know each other. So um, that uh, so it really kind of happened at the same time that I was extremely lucky to be offered uh, a head of partnerships role at YGG, which uh, is extremely exciting uh, as I get to, like I mentioned, I get to speak to so many uh, developers, developers of new blockchain games. And at the same time, uh, Blackpool did make the decision to uh, take on Cryptic Scholarship Guilds into the, the Blackpool portfolio. And uh, it has recently been rebranded to Blackpool Academy. And um, yeah, like I said, is a, is a pretty large and thriving Axie guild right now. So uh, it all kind of happened at once and I was uh, pretty amazed that it did and it was kind of it enabled me to leave the traditional uh, tech world and uh, jump in headfirst into crypto and nft gaming amazing okay so could you briefly describe from a high level what is ygg and what is blackpool 
Yeah, so YGG is a play-to-earn blockchain gaming guild that lowers the barrier to entry to players um, from all over the world. Um, it invests heavily in a whole array of different blockchain games and aims to um, help kind of create this, uh, you know, a safe place for, for all these different gamers to get involved with these games and also create a mechanism for outside investors to maybe gain exposure to um, either specific games or the blockchain gaming space as a whole by uh, taking advantage of the sub DAOs and the vault mechanisms that are in development as of right now in the in the as you can read about in the uh, YGG white paper and um, in terms of Blackpool um, Blackpool is aiming to be a tokenized NFT hedge fund, which again will basically allow the holder of the Blackpool tokens to, you know, have a, a voice in how we um, use the funds of the Blackpool DAO and potentially um, get rewards in the form of the, the yield that's generated from the various verticals that Blackpool's um, involved with. But there's some really exciting stuff in terms of like what's in the pipeline for both projects and Blackpool. You know, there's a lot of uh, financial services products being built on top of on top of Blackpool and uh, again it you know both of these projects interestingly like NFTs being so intrinsically illiquid you know I think projects like this will bring a significant degree of liquidity and the ability to kind of pump liquidity in to kind of actively managed entities that are able to deploy capital much more efficiently than if you were to try and do it just just straight off the bat. Awesome. That is uh, that is very very exciting. All right. So, is is there any you know news or thoughts or anything that you want to share a, a little bit about before jumping into the closing questions? Um, I, I um, I think yeah. I mean, obviously, in terms of like the YGG news, there's obviously the token sale which is coming up uh, very very soon on the twenty seventh on Sushi Swap. So that's definitely something to uh, keep an eye out. There's just insane levels of interest in that. And in terms of Blackpool, yeah, we've got huge amounts of stuff uh, cooking. Um, some of this is like super alpha, so I can't really kind of go too deeply into some of the stuff. But there's like really, re like uh, really really exciting stuff that's happening there because obviously Blackpool is part of a kind of greater ecosystem which includes StakeDAO which is a um, decentralized pl uh, exchange platform which allows for really you know complex and interesting strategies in DeFi uh, and kind of opens those strategies up to um, just anybody and Blackpool will have uh, a degree uh, like a whole range of strategies available on StakeDAO um, but yeah, so definitely keep an eye out there um, for 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 those developments because again, like um, obviously Julian has has, has pioneered, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of really interesting things in the DeFi space, including things like the flash loans and things like that. So as these uh, strategies become available on StakeDAO, uh, that's definitely something to keep an eye out for as well. That's amazing. All right, well, let's jump into the closing questions now. All right, what is your favorite video game? Yes, and I have to apologize. This is I've got a long answer to this question. Uh, it's a hard question for me because, you know, I've played so many different types of games over the years and, you know, I love them for so many different reasons. I mean, obviously, from a business point of view and kind of like 
for me personally, in terms of like what's been the most life-changing, I mean, you have to say Axie Infinity, right? Um, but from the point of view of like sitting around with friends, you know, I'd have to say a game like Tekken or even uh, Call of Duty. But, you know, I really enjoy FPS games generally, strategy games. I was a big fan of Warcraft 2 and Command and Conquer. I also liked platformers and RPGs. And But I suppose recently... Uh, I've really enjoyed playing uh, The Last of Us Part 2. It was a really high-quality game graphically with a pretty amazing narrative, despite the polarizing narrative. But uh, I personally really enjoyed it. Uh, I have to, I'm going to have to... I know this is maybe not the done thing, but I'm really interested to hear your answer to that question. Oh, that, that, that's a super tough question. I mean, I love uh, Civilization. I, I was pretty obsessed with Civilization. Which, Age- which Civilization 2? um civilization i don't even know which one it was the the one i think it was five i believe it was five. Oh, interesting um, yeah see i would go back to like my dad would have played civilization 2 and that would have been the big one you see i loved civ 2 but then it, i think the other ones just lost some of the magic to me yeah well i, I was a huge fan of, of age of empires 2 and yeah. then also empire earth that, that was kind of a similar similar to age of empires but the population cap was much higher and so yeah, you could make a lot more, and then also first-person shooters. I love Halo, which, which oh, is yeah. kind of kind of an OG thing. I feel like I think, feel like now it's like Valorant and Call of Duty and stuff like that. But I'm I'm just a huge Halo fan for yeah. whatever reason. But I have to admit, like I've always been probably slightly more a PlayStation guy than an Xbox guy. But I did have a Xbox 360 at one point, and I and, you know it's hard not to like Halo. And I think that that I'm sure we'll see some great games come. I'd like to hope that we'll see some like really uh, interesting follow-ups to Halo, like new new versions of Halo. Have you got the new Xbox yourself? I I have the um I have the I don't even know what they're called anymore. I the, the I think it's the Xbox S. I'm pretty sure. Oh, the but, Series um, S. Yes, yeah, yeah, Series S. I, I, I guess. And uh, yeah, I, I I am looking forward to the to the next Halo coming out. And um, there's a new Battlefield. There's always new great games coming out. And I, I just can't like, find the time. That's the hardest. Yeah, thing Yeah, I know that th- that's a problem. But but one great thing that that I love is that it's a social activity for my friends and I. We're all we all have our separate jobs. We all kind of live across uh, America, and uh, we all kind of jump on uh, to play Halo together every like once a week, I'd say. Um, Absolutely, so and there you go. And this and that goes back to your previous question of just why why and I mean in this kind of co- strange kind of COVID world that we're living in, that goes back to that previous question of just like just why a game so important. And I think you know th- this ability to have friends and connections anywhere in the world and kind of participate in games like just like yourself like i i think I, I play more games with my friends online now than i think i did before because i think everyone's had to stay inside so it's going to be interesting to see like in a re- if we ever evolve into a post-covid world you know whether whether the kind of popularity of these online experiences will stay the same totally i i i think that they will i know that that might, that might sound like like they're just absolutely not going to happen but I, I just feel like we're creating experiences that are that are um they're that there are different types for different people. So if you want a more social kind of, or sorry, a more laid back experience, you can play like uh, Animal Crossing. A more social experience, you can you know jump online and play uh, either some you know strategy game or or some first person shooter and just kind of socialize with your friends. Or if you're really into competition, you have that. So like I, I feel like now there's a little bit for everybody, and it's becoming as you, as we mentioned before, mainstream and normal for people to be gamers and not looked upon like oh you're. You're wasting time. It's bad for your brain, etc. So um, I really think we, we, we the societal uh, viewpoint on gaming has changed, and therefore gaming is here to to stay and become just even more mainstream than it is today. I think I'm inclined to agree with you there. 
All right, what is your single favorite NFT that you own? Again, I'm going to have to say, like, I think it would probably be my YGG Founders coin would have to be up there. Uh, but also, I do love my uh, Genesis MetaKey would be another one. So I'm excited to see the kind of interesting benefits that I'm going to get from those two. I love that. All right, what's your most controversial thought rela relating to NFTs? Yeah, I, I mean, I, th I think that even in the traditional crypto world, they're really yet to kind of grasp that NFTs are probably going to be the single largest mechanism for onboarding uh, the next million users to crypto. I mean, if you look at kind of crypto Twitter and see the kind of the Bitcoin maxis and even kind of staunch DeFi guys, I don't think they just realize like the power that gaming has and the kind again the kind of ubiquitous nature of gaming and just how like when you add crypto play to earn nfts there's just going to be this huge incentive to onboard that's just not present i mean look it's all like i completely get the narrative of wanting to buy bitcoin as an inflation hedge or wanting to participate in DeFi to kind of you know rid ourselves of the, the traditional financial sector but like i think when you look at what's happened with gaming and NFTs, I just think that, you know, I think that the traditional crypto world just hasn't really kind of grasped just how big a deal this is and just how world-changing this is. And I think it even transcends crypto itself. And I think if we really, if we really do evolve into a world of like hundreds of viable play-to-earn crypto economies that exist online, I mean, one thing that's been amazing to see over the last few weeks is how slp and axs were completely outperforming the the rest of the crypto market and it seemed to completely be um completely disconnected from the greater crypto market and i think you know gamers gamers don't necessarily gamers will care about the assets that are valuable in their game environments and that will kind of they won't care about like okay well what's the price of bitcoin right now should i does that affect what I should be paying for my dilithium crystals. It's like, no, well, I need my dilithium crystals because how else am I going to fly my spaceship? So I think that like, you know, they're going to, it's, they're really going to decouple. I think as, as viable crypto economies exist in these gaming environments, you're going to see, uh, you know, NFTs themselves and the kind of tokens that are in these NFT gaming projects completely decouple from the greater crypto markets. And I think that when that happens, you know, the, the future is an extremely interesting place that will revolutionize life as we know it, in my opinion, which I mean, sounds like <laughs> sounds like a kind of crazy thought, but uh, it does definitely seem to be that we're heading in that direction. Awesome. All right. Last question. Where do you see the world of NFTs in three years? I think ubiquitous is definitely the world. I think we're going to see mainstream game studios try and kind of you know, jump into the crypto space. I think it's going to be a big challenge for some of them. I think, you know, if you look at, you know, Axie, I think they're on track to having the biggest um, Discord server in the world in terms of membership. I think that you're going to see people have use NFTs without even really, you know, know that they're using them. You know, I think more and more we're seeing people having NFT wallets. I think, you know, one thing that I think is amazing is that like I have Axie scholars that didn't have bank accounts when I onboarded them in November. They still don't have bank accounts, but they probably have like two or three um, crypto wallets that then allow them to hold NFTs. So I think a lot of people 
will own NFTs and use NFTs for various purposes without ever really knowing that they have them. Love that. Awesome. Well, Saratobe Sasuke, this has been an amazing conversation. I love getting to know all about your your background and how you got kind of fell down the crypto rabbit hole and NFT rabbit hole. And I really loved how you we went deep into Axie and you explained the, the, the details of land gameplay, uh, play there and mechanics, the actual gameplay, and, and also hearing about YGG and Blackpool is, is also something that is very, very exciting. I think we're at the very, very start of, of what those can become, which is going to be massive. So if, if people want to find out more about yourself and reach out, where should they go and what should they do? Yep, definitely. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. That would probably be the best place to find find me. What is your uh, what is your Twitter handle? So it is Saratobi Sasuke, but it's got a a zero instead of an O on the uh, on the O in Saratobi. All right, cool. I I will link it in in the description for everyone who wants to uh, reach out and chat. Nice. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, and looking forward to our next conversation. Yeah, thanks a million, Andrew, and uh, thanks for your time. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned for more episodes of the Zima Red podcast and subscribe to the Zima Red newsletter for more info on all things NFTs. Thanks so much for listening.